So in our sermon series, Upside Down Kingdom, we've been exploring what kind of person, what sort of person a person will become who is living in the kingdom and who has God's kingdom power animating them, transforming them from the inside out. And what we've already discovered as we've gone through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is that the person alive in God's kingdom will eventually be the sort of person that handles conflict dif- differently, that handles anger differently, that relates to their enemies differently, handles their marriage differently, handles their commitments different than the ways uh, or the rest of the world and the people of the world. So those are some of the things that we've been looking at. And they'll even be, a kingdom person will even be different in terms of how they engage spiritual disciplines like fasting and prayer and giving. This morning, we're going to take a look at how the person alive in God's kingdom will be transformed in regards to what they treasure. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Before we do, let's pray and we'll look at what Jesus had to say about treasure. Lord, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you desire to transform us and that you have given us your spirit to live inside of us, to completely rewire us. We thank you for that gift. We thank you that you care about our joy. You care about our happiness. Thank you that you were willing to go to such great lengths so that you could restore our relationship to you. So that we didn't have to be in a perpetual state of wandering in the desert. We thank you for your redemption. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, teach us now. Help us to be attentive to what you're saying to us. Lord, and I pray that, that would, you would empower us so that, that what you're speaking to us would translate into action. So that we don't just become... Smarter, smarter sinners, as, as some, some people say, so that our knowledge doesn't outpace our obedience. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, let's read to you Jesus' words to his disciples and to the crowds that were gathered there on that day when Jesus gave the greatest sermon that was ever preached. He says in Matthew 6, 19 through 24, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one 
and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. If you were to look up treasure in the dictionary, you would find that it can be used as a noun and it can also be used as a verb. When it's used as a noun, it's used to describe a person or a place or a thing that is valuable, that has value, that's valuable. When it's used as a verb, it means to carefully protect or keep something, to treasure it, to cherish it, to adore it, to idolize it, to be devoted to it. So these are the two ways that treasure in the English language is used. And I think Jesus in this passage was referring both to, the, to an object that is valuable, but also to the act of valuing something, treasuring it. Every human being deems some things as valuable and therefore wants to obtain them, wants to acquire them. And if they already have whatever they deem valuable, wants to keep hold of it. Every human being, it is hardwired in us to treasure, to treasure and Jesus states in our passage that our hearts are linked to what we treasure. Now remember, when the, the Bible uses the word heart, most often it's referring not to that physical organ in your body that pumps blood through your body, but it's, it's speaking of the, the very core of you, where you do your thinking from, where you do your feeling from, and where you do your choosing from. And Jesus, that's what he means when he speaks about the heart in this passage. And I think what Jesus is saying, when, when, he, when he talks about your heart being linked to what you treasure, he, he is saying when you treasure something, your thoughts are fixated on that thing. It, it moves you in ways, emotional ways. And you make choices either to get what you're treasuring or to keep what you treasure because you already have it. I think that's what Jesus is saying here, where your heart, your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices are linked to what you treasure. Your treasure drives those things. Your life will be aligned to it and organized around it. And so... You can determine what you treasure by carefully and closely looking at your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices. And so I asked you this morning, if you think about your thoughts and your feelings and your choices just this past week, what would this week say that you treasure? What have you treasured this past week? What have you daydreamed about? What have you thought most about? What have you been worried about? What have you feared losing this past week? What has just ticked you off this past week? What has infuriated you? What did you need to have this past week in order to feel happy? 
What did you spend the bulk of your time doing? And not only what did you spend the bulk of your time doing, but why? Why were you spending so much time doing it? Where did you make sacrifices this past week and why? What was the, or what, yeah, what was the reason behind the what? What was the why behind the what of sacrificing? These questions help assess our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices and can give us a window into our heart by which we can see what we're treasuring there. Is there anything wrong with having treasure? No, there's nothing wrong with having treasure. Again, it's inevitable. It's part of being a human being. Jesus, in our passage, he said that the problem is, here's the problem, is that we can treasure the wrong things. That's the problem. We can place a ton of value on the wrong things and then organize and align our lives centered on keeping that treasure or getting it if we don't have it. That's the problem. And I believe that's what Jesus was getting at. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore that light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So in other words, just like your eyes give your body important information as to how things are, So that your body can navigate around the obstacles and reality that's in front of your body. So too, just like that, the eyes of your heart, they, if they're good, will direct your life in the right ways. But if those eyes are blind or um, they're not close to 2020 and we're not seeing reality for what it is then the eyes of our hearts, they're going to they're gonna put us in all kinds of dangerous spots. Dangerous, unhealthy spots. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. A good heart sees things as they really are and therefore can assign the right amount of value to people, to places and things, and as a result can direct a person's life appropriately and accordingly. But if the eyes of the heart are bad, the person's going to get lost. So, if we are hardwired to treasure, but Jesus points out that we can treasure the wrong things, what exactly are we to treasure? Jesus gives, he gave the answer in Matthew 6, 19 through 20. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. We are not to lay up treasures on earth because all earthly treasures are unstable. They are all unstable, right? 
surely, <laughs> you know, Jesus is talking about clothes in, this, in these verses. He's talking about precious metals and he's talking about money. They're all subject to change. They can be lost. They can be stolen. They can fall apart. They can break down. If you treasure clothes, moths can eventually eat them. If you treasure precious metals, they can get rusty. If you treasure money, you can lose your money. Somebody can break in, especially in those days where they would dig a pit in their, the floor, their dirt floor of their house. There was no banks to hold their money. Thieves could break in and steal it. These things are inadequate. They are unstable foundations to build your life on. This is what Jesus is preaching here. 2,000 years later, we have people treasuring the same things. And a whole smorgasbord of a lot of other things, don't we? Some people are placing supreme value on their appearance. And therefore, they're all about the clothes they wear, all about the makeup they wear, all about the precious metals that they adorn their body with. They're all about having just the right body type, focused on what, which car they're driving, and does that match their handbag that they're carrying, like just craziness. Some people place supreme value on their financial portfolio. How do I increase it? How do I diversify it? Some people are placing supreme value on having power over others. And the whole reason that they want to advance in their careers and they want to go for those certain positions within their company is because they want to have that power over other people. Another portion of individuals are placing supreme worth on pleasure. So they're all about entertainment. They're all about food. They're all about sex. They're all about adrenaline rushes and where can I get the next high. Some people are so fixated on supremely valuing comfort and safety. And so they are devoted to doing whatever keeps them comfortable and away from even a sniff of danger. Some people place a supreme value on their popularity, right? So it's all about their life is devoted to increasing the amount of subscribers, right? Followers on social media. And we could keep going down the list. I've talked about these other things that we are prone to treasure. I've talked about it over the years so many times. I'm sick of talking about it, but it keeps coming up in the scriptures. And so I was thinking as I'm like, Lord, do you really want me to say this again? I've said this so many times. And I'm like, you know what? I felt like you placed on my heart, even as I was singing before I came up here, they need to hear it again. They need to hear it again. You see, we're always in danger of treasuring things supremely that are not supremely valuable. And I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Does God care if we enjoy these things I just mentioned? No. It's when they become our supreme treasure. That's when they become the problem. 
And you know what? Behind all of our treasuring are our desires for three big needs, desires that we have. And that's for security and significance and satisfaction. This is something I've said repeatedly, too. You look behind everything that you treasure, you're looking to satisfy these three desires. Guaranteed. This is what you're looking for. The problem is, are these desires bad? First of all, no, they're good. God gave you these desires. He's hardwired you with these three major desires. The problem is, he has so created us in such a way and organized the world that these desires can only be filled in him. The, th- the other things we tend to treasure because we think they're going to deliver these three things do not deliver these three, three things for us. What ends up happening is, all right, so we don't have significance and security and satisfaction because we don't have what we treasure, right? And so we're constantly working and strategizing to get the thing we treasure, to get these three things. So that's not a satisfying life. So let's say we finally do get the thing we treasure, and we find it doesn't deliver these three things. That's not satisfying. It's quite depressing. I don't know what's worse. Trying to get the thing you treasure and not having the significant security and satisfaction or getting the thing you treasure and find out that it doesn't del- deliver. Talk about depressing. Treasuring these things will always lead to disappointment. And let's just say that you do get what you treasure and it does give you some sense of meeting these desires. What happens then when you die? You gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. And you stand before Christ naked. What then? Jesus said, what's, what's, what's the answer? What's, what's the other option? If these things can't deliver, what's the other option? Jesus, he said in Matthew 6, 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's the antidote. What does that mean, though? Have you ever read that? What on earth does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? I've often read this verse. I don't even know what that means. How do you lay up treasure in heaven? Well, I think we can understand how we do this when we think about what was Jesus' main message. His main message, I've been telling you this for the last couple months, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news, right? That was his message. In other places, he said, and we just saw this actually last week, he taught his disciples to pray to God the Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, At the end of the chapter that we are currently in, Jesus, he will say to his disciples, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In another place, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, synonymous with the kingdom of God, is like a treasure that is buried in a field that a man comes across. And so he sells everything in order to buy that field so he can have that treasure. 
I think if you put this all together, I think we can surmise that treasure in heaven is all about the kingdom of God. Laying up treasures in heaven is all about the kingdom of God. Let me explain that to you. So a kingdom. So here's what I think Jesus is saying. So value the kingdom of heaven supremely. Devote yourself to it completely so that you may enjoy its gifts now and forever. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven. Value the kingdom supremely. Devote yourself to it completely so that you can enjoy it now and you can enjoy it and enjoy it forever. So how do we value the kingdom? How do we devote ourselves to it? How do we enjoy it now and how do we enjoy it forever? That's the question. Well, every kingdom has a king, right? So it must mean that we value the king, we're devoted to the king, and we're enjoying the king. Every kingdom has a set of laws and values. So it must mean we are valuing the laws and the values of the kingdom. We're devoted to them. And we're enjoying the life that those values produce. Every kingdom involves a territory. God's territory is the entire earth, the entire universe. So in some way, it must mean that we're valuing creation, we're devoted to caring for it, and we're enjoying it. Every kingdom has subjects, a people. So it must mean seeking the kingdom first must mean valuing God's people, right? Being devoted to his people and enjoying his people. This is what it means to lay up treasure in heaven. This is how we do it. This is how we enjoy the treasure of heaven, the benefits of heaven now and forever. And the wonderful thing about God's kingdom is that it is unshakable. Moss can't eat it. Rust can't destroy it. A thief can't steal it. It is an unshakable kingdom, an immovable kingdom. What's the heavenly treasure that we receive now as we live for the kingdom now? Well, the treasure that we get to experience is an intimate relationship with God the Father, God the Son, which is King Jesus, and God the Spirit that transforms a person that na- into a person that naturally lives out God's ways, the ways of his kingdom, the values of his kingdom, and participates with God in his kingdom expansion, which will one day encompass the entire globe. And as a person enjoys the treasure of heaven now, they will find an increasing measure, satisfaction, security, and significance. And this is the only way that we can truly enjoy all other lesser treasures on earth. 
is when we are rightly, supremely valuing the kingdom of God above all other earthly treasures. That's the way to actually enjoy earthly treasures. Because we're no longer looking to them to give us what they can't give us. And so now we're just free to enjoy them for what they are. Good gifts from God that point us to the giver. And actually then just increase our joy in the heavenly treasure that we're experiencing now of knowing God. That's what they were designed to do. But I also think that Jesus is promising future reward in this verse as well. He's promising a future experience of the kingdom. Because the kingdom is here in part. But it won't be here in full until Christ returns. So in addition to having this heavenly treasure in the future that consists of life with the resurrected Christ in a resurrected body in the resurrected world, in addition to this future reward, there are going to be other rewards, extra rewards for a Christian depending on how they lived here. I think the Bible is clear on this. The Apostle Paul spoke about this. Check out 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than, than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, will declare it, the day when Jesus returns, right? Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has built on it endures, he will receive what? A reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. We have two people that are going to experience the kingdom in all its fullness. And in this verse, we have one person that's going to have additional rewards to that experience. And another one won't. And I know this raises all sorts of questions. And this probably deserves to be a sermon series in and of itself. But this is what what the scripture teaches. In regards to this passage, Bible scholar Kent Hughes, he writes this. As to what this reward is, these additional rewards... When the kingdom comes in its fullness. The scriptures are basically silent, and that is probably best. Needless to say, the treasure in heaven will be substantial and beyond our wildest dreams. The question we should ask ourselves about our present pursuits is this. How important will they be a hundred million trillion years from now? How important will our wallpaper be? How important will our promotion be? How important will our fame be? Are we making the right investments now in our lives? Exchanging the eternal for the temporal is no bargain. Jesus knows what we're going to be tempted to do. And that's why he's the greatest teacher ever. He knows, like he anticipates what his hearers are going to try and do. This is what he imagines and knows that they'll try and do. They will be tempted 
to not just have one supreme treasure, but they're going to be tempted to try and have two at the same time. Jesus anticipates this. This is what we try to do. We try and, you know, have Jesus as our supreme treasure, but we're not willing to let go of this other treasure over here. That's what we try to do. Jesus knows this. Jesus specifically, so we, we try and have God as our supreme treasure and then achievement or career, or we worship our stinking kids like crazy. This is, this is a major, major, major problem in our culture right now. Talk about an idol. It's craziness. I was at a softball tournament with my, uh, for my niece in Columbus. So we were there. We were visiting. We, were at the, we weren't at the tournament. But I was talking to my sister-in-law, and she was saying how crazy this whole experience was for this weekend. There was a parade for these softball players. They come. They have, like, welcome gifts and all this stuff that's given to them. On their door of their hotel room is their picture. And the parents spent, you know, of course, all kinds of money to travel to this tournament, to stay in a hotel all weekend long, eat out all weekend long. It's crazy. We wonder why our kids are so screwed up. We worship our kids. It's messed up. Sorry, I w- that wasn't even my notes. <laughs> I shouldn't have shared it probably with such a nasty tone. I think why I get so frustrated is because that's a major temptation for Mary and I, and it's a, it, we're going to struggle with it. We already do struggle with it, so I'm frustrated with myself, so sorry about that. But we try and have more than one treasure, Right? The other way that the Bible talks about it is we try and have more than one lovers, more than one lover, right? Jesus says in the, is said in this passage, we, ha- we try and have more than one master is what we're trying to do. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is Jesus' logic. This is what I believe Jesus' logic was with this verse here. He is saying, like, there's going to come a time. If you try and have two lovers, if you try and have two masters, guess what? There's going to come a time when that one one master is going to require something of you that is going to be completely opposed to what the other master is also requiring out of you. And you're going to have to choose. You may be able to serve two masters for a period of time, but there's going to come a point where, they're, where they're gonna, there's going to be a conflict. And whatever one you then choose, that's your real master. You can't serve two masters. Masters, they require exclusive allegiance. You cannot exclusively serve two things that are contradicting at one time. That's why you cannot have God for your master and have achievement as your master as well, or money, or whatever, because the kingdom of God is going to require things out of you that are different than what those other masters will require out of you. But Jesus anticipates we'll try and do it. One in particular that he mentions that we are all so tempted by is the God of money. So Jesus, he hits this head on too. He knows that this is going to be a great source of temptation for all of us. It's estimated that 15% of everything that Jesus spoke and said 
related to money. More than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Why? This is such a temptation for us. And it's probably such a temptation because money can give us access to a lot of other gods, can it? Popularity, power, stuff, materialism. No wonder it's such a temptation. It's a temptation that is alive and well today. And you know what? If you want to know what you treasure, there's probably no better way to reveal that in your heart than to look at how you spend your money. How do you spend your money? How do you make decisions on it? Where does it go? Do you really view it as God's to do whatever he wants to do with it? So we got to ask ourselves those questions. Let me close with this. Who or what do you supremely treasure? This question may reveal that you don't treasure the kingdom of heaven supremely. You don't, su- you don't supremely treasure its king, its people, its values and ways. And you don't supremely treasure seeing it spread to every nook and cranny of the globe. King Jesus is inviting you today to make it your supreme treasure. Will you come to him, repent of treasuring other things above him in his kingdom and turn to him and ask him for the grace, like, Lord, help me to treasure you in your kingdom above everything else. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already accepted Jesus' offer to be in his kingdom, and you're living there, and you're, you're alive to it, but yet you've gotten off track. That's why I think Jesus said, no, preach this again, say it again, because our hearts are prone to wander. Will you realign yourself to supremely treasuring God in his kingdom above all things? Will you pursue Jesus to hear from him What that looks like in your particular life, season, context, right? There's no one-size-fits-all. There are some things that are one-size-fits-all, but there are a lot of things that are going to be unique to you and where you're at in life. Will you go to God and repent of getting off track? Will you let him restore you to focusing on his kingdom? My prayer is that this church would be, a f- be full of people that treasure God and his kingdom above all things, who seek it, who pursue it, who when they get off track, they're really quick to, to hear the spirit and be reoriented. And I pray that God would give us the faith to believe that in him, in his kingdom is where satisfaction, security, and significance are truly found. Because that takes faith, doesn't it? When you get a whole world that tell, is telling you opposite, that takes faith and trust. May we have that faith and trust. May God give that to us. Let's pray. Lord, um, I'm so grateful 
that you treasured us. That we were <laughs> like the, the, the treasure in the field that you gave everything to buy, to purchase, so you could have us, even your own son. What tremendous value we must have in your eyes. You must cherish us. You are obviously so devoted to us. We thank you for first treasuring us. Lord, help us to treasure you in return. Help us to truly believe that at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That real, vibrant life that starts down, goes on forever, is found in knowing you, Father, and your Son. May we believe the things that the Scriptures say. Give us the eyes to see that. Because once we see it, once we believe it, Lord, there's going to be motivation then to organize our lives around it. So we pray for that. We pray that you would allow us to see clearly the things that we are treasuring or trying to treasure alongside of you. May we, through your power, relinquish those things. See them for what they really are. Good gifts from you that make excellent servants but make horrible masters. May we see that clearly. May we also be people that aren't just about, uh, concerned with our own individual relationship to you, but that we be concerned about the people in this room and this city of people that are walking in darkness, whose eyes of their heart need to be turned into good eyes so that they can see things for the, what they really are, so that they can value the right things. We pray for that. May we be your messengers with that message and may we communicate that message with word and actions that express your amazing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.